going to be in the book of Second Chronicles. Uh, Second Chronicles, we uh, preached this morning, of course, a uh, message uh, about our country, and we preached on the subject of why we still love America. And uh, let me say it again, echo it nice, loud, and clear for maybe if you weren't here this morning. Uh, but listen to me, folks, you ought to love your country. Amen? And uh, let me tell you, it's still the greatest nation on earth. And I'm glad I woke up in America this morning as opposed to any other place. Amen? And uh, you know what? We have a lot to be thankful for. I know we got our problems, but thank God for this great country. And uh, we were, I was just talking before the service to one of our ladies, and, and we were talking about America's place uh, uh, in, the, in the end. And uh, you know what? Truth be told, folks, uh, America is one of the youngest nations on the planet. You think about that for a minute. We're only today or tomorrow, we'll celebrate 246 years of our history. Think about that. 246 years. That sounds like a lot. That's beyond uh, more than what our lifetimes have been. But I'll say this, compared to nations on the earth, we're a very young nation. And look how God has blessed us. Amen? And I say the number often, and I want it to be burned down in your heart. I'm going to say it again. But as Americans, we only make up 4.5% of the world's population. Let that sink in for a minute. 4.5%. That means 95.5% of the world live in some other place besides America. By the way, you didn't get to choose to be an American. God chose that for you. Amen. Now, maybe some folks uh, have come here uh, from other countries. I understand that. And have uh, legally immigrated and all those types of things. But you know what? Most of us, uh, God chose for us to be born here. Man, what a privilege to live in this great nation. Amen. So this morning, we preached on why we still love America. Tonight, I want to preach a message entitled this, The Remedy for a Broken Nation. The remedy for a broken nation. If you find your place, stand with me together uh, as we read the Scripture. Second Chronicles chapter 7, very famous passage of Scripture. I'm going to pick it up and begin reading in verse 12. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven, will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. And as for thee, if thou wilt walk before me as David thy father walked, and do according to all that I have commanded thee, and shalt observe my statutes and my judgments, then will I establish the throne of thy kingdom according as I have coveted with David thy father, saying, There shall not fail thee a man to be ruler in Israel. But if you turn away and forsake my statutes and my commandments which I have set before you, and shall go and serve other gods and worship them. Then will I pluck them up by the roots out of my land which I have given them. And this house which I have sanctified for my name will I cast out of my sight and will make it to be a proverb and a byword among all nations. And this house which is high shall be, a, uh, be an astonishment to everyone that passeth by it so that he shall say, Why hath the Lord done thus unto this land and unto this house? And it shall be answered because they forsook the Lord God of their fathers which brought them forth out of the land of Egypt and laid hold on other gods and worshipped them and served them. Therefore hath he brought all this evil 
upon them. Let's pray. Lord, we love you tonight. Once again, we just want to say we love you. We're thankful to you for all you do for us. God, we're thankful for this great nation you allow us to call home. And Lord, I pray that as your people, Lord, as we're going to look at tonight, God, that we would be determined, Lord, we would have it sealed down on our heart, uh, Lord, to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us and bless us. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. The historical background of this chapter, of course, is uh, uh, referring to uh, King Solomon. King Solomon is a very interesting man in the Bible. Uh, King Solomon reigned in Israel for 40 years. He was the son of the great King David. And what's interesting about Solomon's life was that for the first half of his reign, so he reigned for 40 years, so for the first 20 years of his reign, Solomon was an example of what every Christian ought to be. In fact, the book of Proverbs did, uh, goes into great detail about what it is to have wisdom. In fact, Solomon, God gave to Solomon what he's never given to anybody else uh, for the most part, and that's a blank check. God came to Solomon, he appeared to him at night, and told Solomon, ask anything you want, and I'll give it to you. Remember, sometimes I say, God's not a genie in a bottle, but guess what? He was that time to Solomon. Uh, not, not necessarily liking God to a genie, but he told God, or he told Solomon, I'm going to give you anything you want, just ask. And of course, we know what Solomon asked for. Uh, he asked for wisdom, so that he could have the wisdom to lead God's people. And that pleased God so much, that God said, not only am I going to give you exactly what you asked for, I'm going to give you what you didn't ask for. I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you fame. I'm going to make you the greatest man on the, on the planet. And you know what? Uh, for those that time of his life, he was. In fact, the Bible says that all the earth come to seek the wisdom of Solomon. Uh, Israel was so prosperous during Solomon's reign that the Bible says that he made the uh, silver to be as stones uh, in Jerusalem. I mean, everyone was prosperous. There was no poverty during Solomon's reign anywhere in the land. You know why? Because of the blessings of God upon Solomon. The first half of his life, he was everything we could look to and exemplify and want to be like. But the Bible tells us there was a turning point in his life. And the Bible uh, says that he loved many strange women. And those strange women turned his heart away from the Lord his God. And the last half of Solomon's life was everything you don't want to be. In fact, we have the book of Proverbs. Right after the book of Proverbs, you have another book called Ecclesiastes. That word Ecclesiastes uh, is a reflection of the life of Solomon, of what it is to live a life without God. To live a life only living for yourself. Living a life only for what we want. By the way, you know what the theme word of that book is? It's the word vanity. You know what the word vanity means? Empty. And you know what Solomon found out? That when he was living for God, he, he was everything. He was at the top. I mean, he was the best he'd ever been. But when he decided to turn his back on God and turn his heart toward other false gods and other things and let anything and everything take the place of God in his life, you know what he was? Empty. By the way, you know what we'll be if we turn our back on God? Empty. Empty. Now listen, the devil's good at what he does. Man, he's going to dangle sin in front of you. He's going to make it look good. He's going to make it glitter. He's going to make it shine. But let me tell you, you give in to that, you know what's waiting at the end of that road? Emptiness. Vanities allowing uh, at the end of that road. But in our passage here, we come to that time in Solomon's life where he was doing right. In fact, it says this in verse 11, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house, and all that came to Solomon's heart to make in the house of the Lord and in his own house he prosperously affected. And i got a whole message I preached just out of that verse about that, that phrase, prosperously affecting. And Solomon had it going on. And God appeared to him. And we see that in verse 12 in our text verse, And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, And by the way, let me just stop and say this. 
this, all right? If you're waiting, waiting for God to appear at you by night and speak to you like He did Solomon, you're going to be waiting a whole long time. Because let me tell you, that's not how God speaks to us today. Now, it doesn't mean He doesn't speak. He's still speaking just as loud as he was in Solomon's day, except he just used a different avenue to do it. Amen? You know how God speaks to us today? you got it sitting in your lap there, the King James Bible. Amen? He, he speaks to you as you're hearing it preached from a pulpit just like this tonight. Amen? He, he uh, speaks to you as you interact with it, and you read it, and you study it, and you meditate upon it. God will speak to you through His Word. But God appeared to Solomon and uh, basically uh, said to him, He said, I have heard thy prayer. I've chosen this place for a house of sacrifice. And then God began to tell Solomon a prophecy, if you will, about what was going to happen. You see, God knew what Solomon would do because he's God. Amen? He knew the choices he would make. And uh, he knew that uh, everything that we read in verses 13 and then 15 through 22, that Solomon would do that. He knew that. And by the way, when Solomon did that, you know who paid the price for that? Did Solomon pay the price? Sure. But you know who paid the great price? The nation of Israel paid the great price. And that nation was never the same after Solomon was king. Never. In fact, if you read uh, uh, the, uh, later on about things about Solomon, as soon as his son took over, the, the, the kingdom was divided. And, and Israel began to go on the spiritual roller coaster ride of good kings, bad kings, blessings, cursings, God's, uh, God judging them. And God knew that that was going to happen, so He gave that great verse in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And that's the verse for just a few moments I want to preach on tonight. The remedy for a broken nation. The remedy for a broken nation. You see, folks, I want you to understand something. You know what? That uh, God understands the nature of mankind. He understands that, you know what? Uh, in fact, uh, our fallen nature is, is, is the such to where, you know, it takes great work and great dedication to stay faithful to God for your whole life. I'll just be honest with you. It's hard work being what God wants you to be. Now, it's not complicated. It's not hard to understand, but let me tell you, we got everything fighting against us to be what God wants for us to be. We got to fight the flesh. We got to fight the world. We got to fight the devil. And let me tell you, it's difficult sometimes. It's hard sometimes. But let me just say this the things in life worth accomplishing are hard to accomplish. Amen? Nothing comes to the easy. Nothing good comes to the faint of heart. No. Listen, it's a battle worth fighting. That's why the Bible says, be ye good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And if you're going to please the Lord and you're going to look Him in the face one of these days and hear Him say, well done, good and faithful servant, you better put your armor on. It's going to be a battle. And you know what? God knew that His people and His, uh, He would have to bring judgment upon them, particularly upon their land. So He gave them a formula. Particularly, this formula is what we read in the last part of verse 14, and will heal their land. God gave a formula to heal a broken nation. And I'm not going to belabor all this tonight. We're not going to dive deep into it. Every single one of these points could be a whole message, but I'm not going to do that to you tonight. Amen? But I just want to give you some things to help encourage you, just like we preached this morning, amen, to be part of the solution and not part of the problem. By the way, folks, if, if God is, if and when, not, not, I'm sorry, not if, when, when God has to, because of our sin, bring judgment upon this nation, I want to know that I've done everything I could to stand in the gap for the land. Amen? I want to know I've done everything to be counted worthy for this great nation God has called me to live in and has called me to stand for and be a part of. So let's look at this verse tonight for just a few moments. We're going to look at this, and let me break it down. All right. First of all, notice the first three words in verse 14. If my people... You know what that means, folks? That means this. That means who's God's looking to for healing of a nation has nothing to do with the politicians. 
unless a politician belongs to God. Some of them do, most of them don't. Let's be honest, amen? All right? If my people... Let me tell you what God's... Hey, God's not looking to the White House when it comes to healing a land. You know what He's looking at when He looks across the nation to heal a land? The church house, amen? If my people... So you know what that means? We as Christians must take personal responsibility for our land. If my people... Amen? Uh, we're not going to turn there for sake of time, but if you go to the book of Daniel, and Daniel, of course, was that great prophet that we know mainly as Daniel in the lion's den, but truth be told, most of Daniel's life took up way more than just that one story of him in the lion's den. Daniel was a captive from the nation of Israel to the nation of Babylon, and God raised Daniel through the ranks of power and allowed him to be a very powerful man in the nation of Babylon. And uh, we have a lot of Bible prophecy comes from the book of Daniel. But one of the things that's very interesting is God revealed to Daniel the state of his nation. And the Bible talks about how that when Daniel come to the realization of the sins of his country, you know what? That he wept before God. He prayed before God. He confessed the sins of his nation before a holy God. Let me tell you, Christians, we got to get serious about what God's called us to do as America. Amen. Listen, we got to pick up that burden. Amen. we got to show, well, it don't really concern me. Excuse me, if you're saved, it concerns you. If you're, if you're a Christian that's trying to make an impact, it concerns us. Amen? Why? Because if my people, notice, which are called by my name. That means this, we belong to God. Amen? By the way, you like using that term Christian? I do. You know what that word means? It means Christ-like. It associates us with God. It associates us with Christ. You know what that means? Literally means we're called after His name. The people of God. We belong to Christ. So God says, okay, Christians, my people that are called by my name, if your land is broken and your land is hurting, here's the remedy to fix it. Amen? Here's the remedy to fix it. Let's look at what he says here. If my people which are called by my name, here's the first thing, shall humble themselves. Surprise, surprise, the first thing we got to get over is pride. Amen? It's pride. And I say this, folks, it's so true. If you break down every sin, almost every sin we're involved in, the roots of it start in pride. Starts in pride. Because we as the human race are a proud, proud people. I don't know about you, I'm amazed God even puts up with us. Amen? I'm amazed God don't squish us like bugs, like the flies I squished this afternoon in my house with that fly swatter, man. I went postal on those things. I killed those things. I hate them. They're annoying to me. I wonder sometimes if we're annoying to God because of our pride. Thank God He loves us anyway. Praise the Lord, He don't whip out His spiritual fly water and smash us to the window. Amen? Like we probably deserve. But let me tell you, if the key, the key, the key to being right with God, the key to being used of God, the key to almost anything in the Christian life always begins with humility. Humility. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. By the way, folks, the Bible says this in, in the book of 1 Peter, that if... Um, we submit ourselves to God, uh, or, or I'm sorry, that He will exalt us in due time. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, and, and He will exalt us when the time is right. And see, here's the problem, folks, all right? With pride, you got one of two options, okay? You can either, number one, choose to humble yourself, or number two, God will humble you. And I'll just say this, I would rather choose humility and choose to humble myself than to have to, than to, have, to have God humble me because of my pride. Shall humble themselves. And uh, pride is always the root of every sin. It begins with humility. And look at the second thing we see here, and pray. And pray. Now that word pray, uh, I've taught you this before, but that word pray simply means to ask. That's all it means, is to ask. 
By the way, there's a difference between prayer and what we're going to see the next thing it says as far as seeking God's face. But it always begins with humility. That's why, for example, uh, when, we, uh, when we pray, we always say, bow your head and close your eyes. What is that a sign of? It's a sign of humility. It's a sign of respect. And I'll just say this. When you read through the Scripture and you read people that have an encounter with God and they begin to communicating with God, let me tell you, you know, you almost see every single time you see that person on their face before God. Humility. That's why it's, it's important to kneel to pray. And I understand not everyone can do that. Amen? I don't want some of you seniors trying to kneel. We'd never get you back up, all right? It may be difficult. No, God understands that. And sometimes it's physically impossible to humble yourself physically and, 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 and as far as your posture goes. But let me just say this. Most of us can humble ourselves when we pray. We ain't got no problem, you know, making our body do other things for things that we want it to do. Amen? Hey, tomorrow we're going to play some games out there and we're going to play some softball and, and play some volleyball. And I'll see some of you out there that I didn't even think you could move that fast. You're going to be out there moving around and jumping and jiving and all that kind of stuff. Hey, we can use our body for that kind of stuff. Why can't we use our body to humble ourselves? Get on our knees. Get on our face before God. Hey, every Christian ought to know what the carpet tastes like. Flat on the floor, prostrate before God. You say, I've never done that before. Why don't you start and see what happens? Amen? Humility. If my people, which call by name, shall humble themselves, and what happens after you pray? You pray. You ask God. Amen? You begin to ask. You begin to plead. You begin to ask God to, to help. Listen, folks, we got to, we got to start not making God our last resort, making God our first resort. Amen? And listen, God ought to be the first place we run to, not the last. God ought to be the place we turn to first and pray. I'm going to tell you, folks, if this thing's going to be turned around, it's because God in His grace and mercy is going to do it. Amen. Pray. Ask. And then notice what else it says. And seek my face. By the way, that, that, that's a deeper devotion of a relationship with God. Think about that for a minute. Amen. And seek. What's that mean? That means you go after, right? Come on, as a kid, you ever played the game hide and seek, right? And, uh, you know, you're hiding, someone's trying to find you. Well, guess what? I got good news for you. Before you got saved, and if you're not here, and if you're here tonight and you're not saved, guess what God does? God, before we're saved, seeks us. Amen? Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad? The Bible says there's, there's none that seeketh after God. And listen, if you're here tonight, you've been born again because the Father sought after you and He drew you to Himself. Praise God for the seeking of God. But here's what I always say. Hey, once you get saved, God tags you and say, guess what? Now you're it. Start seeking after me. And that's why as a Christian, you can be as close to God as you want to be. Amen? Because the Bible says if you draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to you. And we must begin to seek the face of God. Now notice here, it's very interesting. What part of God are we seeking? We're seeking His face. By the way, if you're going to get to know, to some, if you're going to get to know somebody, all right, and you want to sit down and talk with them, you don't sit down and talk to their arm. Okay? No one says, okay, wait a minute. Have a conversation with the foot. Talk to that. Or sometimes smart Alex, someone say, talk to the hand because I'm not listening, right? Okay? All right? Some of you wives, no, just kidding, all right? And uh, probably more like some of the husbands, okay? No! If you're going to get to know somebody, you know what you're going to do? You're going to sit down. You're going to look them in the face and have a conversation with them. 
Come on, you that were uh, uh, dating your spouse before you got married, and those times you used to sit there with those oogly googly eyes and just stare in each other's face, you know, never said anything, just sitting there with that stupid sappy look on our faces, you know, and thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Then you get married, and uh, things change sometimes, right? But uh, no, you still ought to do those types of things. But no, seeking someone's face. That means you get to know them on a personal level. You're going after God on a personal level is what that's talking about. Seeking after God's face. I'm going to tell you something, folks. There, there is ways for us as Christians to get to know our Heavenly Father that, truth be told, most Christians never experience. I mean, there, there's ways through the Scripture as you begin to study the Bible. Listen, there's more than just this casual relationship with God that's offered to us. More than a casual relationship. I think I told the men in our Bible study Tuesday night, you know, God has a relationship with mankind in many different ways. By the way, every single person, whether they want it or not, had the creator-creation relationship. Every single person, ever been or ever will be, has that relationship, that attachment to God. Because you know what? You can deny it all you want, but the, every single baby that was ever conceived in the mother's womb were formed by the fingers of Almighty God. Amen? That's Bible, by the way. Every single person have a creator-creation relationship with God. And you know what's so sad? Most people never move beyond that relationship. By the way, that relationship with God's not good enough to get you to heaven. Not good enough. Amen? The second relationship, and I hope people get to this point, is that father-son relationship with God. And that's when you get born again. Amen? And you get born into the family of God. And by the way, as you climb in those relationships, the numbers start to narrow. Every, every human being, is, think of the pyramid, is at the base of that. And then those that are truly born again, man, that's a narrow group, amen, compared to the masses of humanity. But you know what? It doesn't stop there. Because God doesn't want to just be your father. You know what Jesus said? He said, ye are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Think of Abraham. You know what Abraham was known of? He was known as the friend of God. The friend of God. By the way, think about the life of Abraham. And again, we're talking about uh, uh, being uh, standing in the gap for the country. That's what Abraham did for those cities of Sodom and Gomorrah. He knew God so well that he literally was t- speaking with God as a man speaks to his friend. By the way, that day that Abraham spoke to God uh, when, he was, when he was interceding for Sodom and Gomorrah, that wasn't the first conversation he'd ever had with God Almighty. Oh no, you read the Bible and you find out that Abraham had a close, intimate relationship with God. Let me just say this, if we're going to get serious, if we're going to heal our land as Christians, we've got to get serious about our relationship with the Lord. Amen? Because that's what God's looking for. Humble themselves. Pray. Seek my face. And by the way, you know what you're going to find out, folks? That when you get close to God, this next part is not going to be that big of a problem. And turn from their wicked ways. Our biggest problem is this. We need to repent of our sin. Amen? And by the way, not just the sins of the nation, although I think as Christians we want to help bear that burden, but I'm talking about the own personal sins in our own lives. Before we can start interceding for somebody else or interceding on, on behalf of our country, we got to deal with the stuff in our own life. Amen? And by the way, the more, the closer you spend to God, the worse and worse you'll see yourself. I'll tell you one of the things that's amazing about spending time in God's presence. It's not so much when we spend time with God that we're trying to change God, but I promise you this is true. When you spend time with God, He changes you. You know what you start realizing? The closer you get to perfection, 
you start realizing how imperfect we truly are. I mean, come on, you know, sometimes you'll think something's pretty good because you're not really comparing it to the right thing. And then when you start comparing it to the right thing, you'll find out, oh, it wasn't as good as I thought it was. You know, like if you've ever uh, seen a diamond in its true clarity, and I can tell you right now, uh, it will make something you know, uh, uh, that's not as quality not look good at all. I mean, they, they rate diamonds different ways based upon their clarity, right? And if you've ever seen a diamond through the jeweler, we'll look at it through that little uh, thing he's got over his eye. And uh, you know what? He can tell just by looking at it how pure it is because he knows what the real thing looks like. And I'll just say this, the closer you get to God, you're going to find out what holiness is. You're going to find out what perfection is. And you know what? You're not going to like what you see in the mirror. But you know what? God never brings us down until He then will lift a hand and bring us up. Amen? By the way, God wants for us to humble ourselves so He then can bring us up. We know that's true because notice what's going to happen here. Amen? If we'll follow that formula, if we'll humble ourselves, if we'll pray, if we'll seek God's face and turn from our wicked ways, man, we, we are, we are, we've humbled, we, we brought ourselves low. Then notice what God will do. Amen? Then will I hear from heaven. Amen? The ear of God will hear and He'll hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. By the way, folks, it's not that God can't. It's just that we limit God by our obedience. Whether or not we're willing to do what God has called for us to do. And church, I don't know, again, what you think of when you look at the current events and see what's going on in our country. But let me say this, America needs us as Christians. Amen? Hey, she's needed us like she's never needed us before. And I told you, and, I, and I'm not going to. I'm not going to turn this into a, uh, you know, a, a, a negative thing, a, a thing to make you walk, walk out of here feeling bad about our country. But I'll just say this, folks. As much as I love America, America needs our help. Amen? Right? I mean, listen, the, the sins of our nation are crying up before God. Just as that innocent blood of Abel, the Bible says that Abel's innocent blood cried to God from the ground. You know, the innocent blood that's been shed in America cries out to God from the ground. It cries out to God. The, the, the wickedness, the perversion of Sodom and Gomorrah. The Bible says the cry came up before the Lord. You don't think that cry comes up before God in America? And not to mention all the other sins that uh, as a people we're involved in. And I'll just tell you this. We got to do something about it. Amen? We got to do something about it. And listen, it's not Washington DC's job to do something about it. I can tell you that. You know whose job it is? It's our job as God's people to do something about it. Why? Because if my people, which are called by my name. Now here's what we're going to do tonight to end the service. Something a little different, something a little unique, but I believe very appropriate. Uh, we're going to take uh, the last few minutes of the service and uh, we're going to spend some time praying for our, uh, praying for our country. Amen? Crying out to God. And this prayer time that we're going to have is specifically for our nation. Asking God to forgive us of our sin. Asking God to heal our land. Letting God know we're serious about carrying the burden of our nation. I said it this morning. I'll say it again tonight. Listen, folks, I don't want judgment to come. I don't want to have to live through that. I don't want my kids and grandkids to have to live through that. And I don't know God's timetable and everything. I'm not God. I made this statement earlier, and it's true. Listen, God's not going to consult me or consult you before He does anything. He's God. Amen? But I know, all I know is this, God has set it up in such a way to where we can have an influence and we can help God determine the timing of when He does things. Amen? And you know what? Uh, I, I want to make sure that uh, I'm part of the solution, 
part of the remedy, amen, and not part of the problem. So here's what we're going to do. I'm not going to ask you to come up here. We're just going to stay uh, right, where we're, right where we're at in our seats. And uh, we're going to just take a few minutes. And uh, I'm going to call on some of you men to pray. And as I call you to pray, I just want you to lift your voice up uh, to the God of heaven. And uh, let's spend a few minutes praying for our nation. Tomorrow we'll celebrate 246 years. And I'd like to see us hit the 300 mark. I don't know if we will or not. I mean, I don't know, folks. I, again, I'm not a prophet. I have no idea what God is going to do, when He's going to do it. But I want to know, no matter how much time we have left, that I've done everything I could do, amen, to uh, stay God's hand when it comes to America. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. I'm just going to go through, men, as I call your name, I'll, I'll just ask you to lift your voice and pray, and then uh, I'll close this out here. Let's take a few minutes, and uh, let's pray for our country.